Hi, everyone. I have a special guest today. He is a naturopathic doctor, a fellow colleague. His name is Dr. Mohammed Mansour, and I am sitting with him here at the Anatara Clinic in San Francisco. Thank you so much, Dr. Mohammed, for Thank being you. here and Thank agreeing you. to this, having a chat about naturopathic protocols. And I always learn so much from you. I mean, you're somebody that I look to for advice when I have a difficult patient Thank case. You. You're just a genius. So thank you so much for agreeing to chat. Uh, so, Dr. Mohammed, you are a naturopathic doctor. How long have you been a naturopathic doctor for? Uh, since twenty, end of twenty fourteen. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been. A, I thought you were going to say twenty years because the amount of knowledge you have, it's <laughs> no, like. That, no, no. <laughs> how I, did you, how I? Did... I think I. Uh, I would say the knowledge base that I've accrued over the years. It's kind of like you rest on the shoulder of giants, I would say. So there's a lot of people in our field that I could contribute or attribute my knowledge base to. Um, you know, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Virginia Osborne, Dr. Brendan Cochran. There's a lot of people, um, Dr. Neil Nathan, Dr. Jill Christa. So there's a lot of people who are innovators in our field. And I feel, you know, blessed to have known them and share that knowledge with everybody in our profession hopefully more than just our profession and other integrative health fields too. And you're working with the king of um, integrative medicine. You're working with an incredible medical doctor, Dr. Avi. He is incredible. And you've only been here for three or four months, but it seems like the two of you work so well together. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a logical pairing of um, you know he had a, has a cardiology background, but um, definitely in more of the the functional space, uh, especially in the climate of long haulers post COVID syndrome, uh, some of the cardiac effects. I feel his expertise is really sorely needed. Uh, in the field and also having the lens, uh, like a broader lens of uh, functional medicine, how those modalities apply in, in a complex post-infectious world that we live in today. Um, so I feel I bring some of the naturopathic foundational things, um, some of the more innovative aspects to using ozone um, and some of the the ways we can apply different intravenous nutrients uh, with and without ozone um, to help combat, you know, we're still in a pandemic. We're still trying to fight something that we don't fully understand yet. And the research is is ongoing. It's every day. It's changing. And um, somebody like Dr. Herskowitz is, is an important integral part of that to understand it. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm here firsthand. So um, for those of you listening, I'm literally here at the clinic getting treatments. I'm going to be getting a treatment right after this podcast, FYI. Um, I had COVID in June and it, 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 the actual virus part of it wasn't bad. It was the aftermath uh, mm -hmm. of how it affected my hormones, how it affected my overall neurological function, my brain yeah. health, my, you know, overall wellness. And I know I had treatments all day yesterday. I, and this is what I want to talk about. Um, on this podcast is some treatments that you as a naturopathic doctor are offering that not a lot of clinics 
um, mm -hmm. I've visited and, and I myself, I'm learning and I'm going to be taking back to Los Angeles. Thankful. I'm so thankful to learn about this through you. Um, can we talk about some of these really interesting IVs that you're doing? Um, we've heard about these products to take orally, resveratrol, polyphenols, mm -hmm. CoQ10, um, plasmapheresis. Uh, these are all different types of IV treatments. Some are to drain the blood, filter it out, and put it through ozone and oxygenation, and then you know get the patient uh, treated. What are where did you come up with these modalities, and and how how effective are these treatments? I mean, I can tell you after just one day, I'm feeling, you know, a hundred times better, which mm -hmm. is huge. I would say again, it, I've worked in several generative clinics. I feel. The technology we're using um, with plasma separation and ozonation of the blood uh, ultimately was inspired by EBU, which is extracorporeal blood ozonation and oxygenation. It's a two-line system um, whereby the blood is coming out on one end, uh, being filtered through a mechanism, and then ozonated at the same time, so it's continuous, and then that filtered blood and ozonated blood is reintroduced on the other end, on the inline. Um, the, the initial principle of EBU was not so much to work as, um, as many would purport as dialysis or filtration, but more so to increase the surface area of blood to ozone. So more of your blood is exposed to ozone, so thereby you get a higher concentration. Um, and also because it's continuous flow, you don't need as much continuous concentration of ozone. So you could actually use less ozone concentration and get what we call like a stacking effect. So the longer you're exposed to the, to the apparatus, the more of that ozonation occurs, um, even at a low concentration of ozone. Um, so those treatments are timed. I feel with plasmapheresis, um, the, the most recent innovation in some few integrative settings um, is being a true filtration of the blood. So how do you actually filter things out of the blood um, that you don't want and return most of the blood back in a safe manner and try to incorporate ozone? So therapeutic apheresis is very well studied. They're using it quite a lot in the hospital setting. Um, it's a pretty intense procedure. It's about four to six hours. Um, you may have had patients who have come to you after COVID or after autoimmune diseases having done it. Um, and they typically pull out about two to 3,000 milliliters of plasma. Wow. So it's almost, you know, a full revamp of your blood. I think I uh, pulled out, what, three to 600? How much did three I to, pull? I, you pulled about 600 yeah. milliliters. So to put that in perspective, that's about <laughs> 20, 25% of what a typical standard treatment would be. Yes. In a hospital, you have straight needles, you can't bend, you can't move. Um, in this setting, you can use catheters, there's a little bit more flexibility. Um, we can dial things in, especially with people with sensitive veins. Um, <laughs> so it can be a challenge, but it's not a deal breaker. So we can work with that and we can modulate things like flow rate, how much pressure is on the veins. Um, 
and we're very well equipped to to deal with that. The main change between EVU versus plasma filtration uh, ozonation of blood is that we can pull out some of those acute phase toxins uh, in the plasma portion of the blood, um, which include histamine, cytokines, and we're doing more and more um, testing on this because this is the bleeding cutting edge of how can we use ozone, how can we push the envelope, right. um, but you know, solvents, DDT, mm-hmm. glyphosate, other toxicants that are very, very difficult to pull out of the blood, such as perfluorinates or PFAs or the forever chemicals. Um, so these things, nobody knows how to pull out of the blood and we're in a very inundated toxic world. We don't know how to deal with those things. Um, this may be one of those potential ways to to use plasma phoresis in an outpatient setting um, that's more tolerated. You you came back the next day, you're talking to me. Um, so that <laughs> there's proof of that. Um, but also how to do it more than once and in a in a in a setting of multiple chemical sensitivity or patients who are really uh, debilitated by illness and can't tolerate standard therapeutic apheresis or standard hospital versions of this procedure. Um, so this is where we're dialing it in. Um, and then what to give after that. And, you know, you've mentioned polyphenols like quercetin, EGCG, resveratrol. These have all been purported to be ionophores of zinc. So it helps you absorb zinc better. So it has antiviral potential, especially with COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, you wanted to add something. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, this is, this is, this is incredible. I just, I just want to, you know, for those listening is, you know, where are we getting all these toxins from? Like where you mentioned, you, you mentioned a list of toxins, where would somebody find these toxins? Like, Oh, it's, um, in industrialization industrialized society, you're talking about plastics, um, phthalates, you know, phthalates, those are in cosmetics. You probably are mm-hmm. more of an expert than I am in that. Um, but you can get it from, um, food, unfortunately, that is wrapped in plastic, the way foods are processed. Unfortunately, parabens, PCBs, those things are in, um, in certain processes of uh, of industrialization, even skin products particularly, but makeup is a big one that's overlooked. Um, you, you also have to consider agriculture and where you're getting runoff of pesticides, not just glyphosate, but there's so many others we don't even know about. And that may not be something you're directly exposed to, but it could contaminate the, the water table and you're getting that in your municipal water. And those things have, you know, far lasting effects. Um, and without short of testing your water source, understanding where you live, your altitude and what kind of plants and agricultural uses being done around you, you wouldn't know. Right. Because um, if you have, you know, I, I hear this all the time and I'm here, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard this as well. People travel to places like Italy. <clears throat> and they they don't have a celiac disease per se, mm-hmm. um, but they can tolerate the gluten over in Europe versus the gluten in the U.S. Um, and it's because of the way our technology, our farming techniques are, and our technology, mm-hmm. and the type of grain that you know is infected with certain uh, chemicals. 
So, you know, it does make a huge difference. And, you know, we do see a massive difference between different populations in Europe and populations in in, in the United States, for example, even 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 in our meat sources and our dairy sources and the hormones and, you know, it goes on and on. So we know we're living in a toxic world and, you know, ha doing these procedures helps sort of minimize. Would you start everyone because we know everybody's toxic? 50 percent of the United States uh, uh, of Americans are at least affected with mold. We know mm -hmm. that. Um, would you recommend everybody start with this and then work their way up in terms of using antioxidant I, IVs? Actually, after? it is a case-by-case -case basis. Um, some people have uh, comorbidities, other illnesses they're dealing with, other mm -hmm. infections, Lyme, Bartonella, mold, other things that deplete their antioxidant reserves to a mm -hmm. point where they can't tolerate any type of oxidative treatment like ozone, even at a low dose. Um, but it really depends on the case, the initial blood work, their nutrient status. Some are malabsorption prone, depending on their gut health, depending on their genetics. Mm -hmm. uh, some are what we call slow excretors. So right. they don't excrete toxins effectively. That's often uh, illustrated in their blood work. And even when we try to run tox panels in their urine and try to see, okay, well, how much mold is in your urine or how much um, PCBs or solvents or other things can be really fine. Sometimes you don't find much in the urine. They're not excreting it that much. It's not right. that it's not in there. And that can be a genetic component. So everyone needs to be treated in a personalized yes, way. Of course. Um, because a lot of times we see patients who've tried ozone and it backfired on them. They've mm -hmm. tried NAD and it made them way worse. Um, right. And especially in a toxic environment, those toxins are very detrimental, including heavy metals like cadmium to the mitochondria. Right. So um, if you don't address those toxins and then you, you try to give beneficial nutrients like NAD or even ozone, which does regulate, upregulate NAD um, and say, oh, I'm just going to try this right. as kind of like a shortcut to give me more energy. They might feel worse, worse at the beginning and, and they don't understand why it's because you have all these kinks in the engine um, and you're trying to give this really high octane, high quality fuel, but the engine itself is kinked, so it can't move. Yeah. So it's just going to make it worse, even though you're trying to give the right nutrients. Um, so that's where really looking at the history, looking at the toxic load, excretion status mm -hmm. of the patient, um, their genetics. Um, all of that needs to be evaluated. In. Yes. Yeah. And we're looking at everybody's jumped on the NAD train. Everybody, um, we have these pop up clinics doing IV NAD drips, uh, you know, the, and you, you know, you just explained very clearly that, you know, if you have somebody that hasn't, you know, worked on enhancing their body's ability to detoxify, mm -hmm. um, adding NAD on top of that might actually cause you to feel worse and a lot of people do end up feeling um initially they feel good because they're hydrated because obviously you're getting a full mm -hmm. bag of uh, saline solution but days after we find you know people with headaches and those are the individuals that probably have some sort of slow acetylation and probably need some work done with uh, detoxification the nad is now yesterday's Prada as I, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's yesterday's news. The new NAD 
uh, that you discuss with me is something called ethylene blue. Oh, Can methylene you, blue, yeah. Yes, methylene yeah, blue, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that one is gaining a lot of traction even in oral versions, trochee versions that are being purported on social media um, to be used at a low dose setting to promote energy, vitality, anti-aging. It has quite a bit of research for anti-parasitic use, so it's mm -hmm. used for infections like Babesia and Bartonella, um, very difficult intracellular types of pathogens that are hard to treat with just antibiotics. Um, and it has been gaining some traction um, for anti-aging because it can upregulate your mitochondria, similar to uh, NAD. Uh, without, from my experience, I haven't seen mm -hmm. as many side effects and it seems to be a little bit better tolerated if you titrate the dose a little bit more carefully. Um, I find that methylene blue has some promise, but you know, in a, in a complex chronic illness patient, when there's multiple variables, it's, it can be 50, 50, it can right. work half the time, half the time it doesn't work. It's not a panacea. It's not a silver bullet. Um, it has to be taken in context with other things that regulate the mitochondria. So CoQ10, PQQ, there are other cofactors, D-ribose, a lot of other things that go into um, mitochondrial health depend and it, the person's genetics can play a huge role in that as well. Um, that you can't really rely on any of these things as a monotherapy. It's just, mm -hmm. uh, it can be a slippery slope. It's very tantalizing to gravitate to something. It looks blue, it looks weird, you know, it looks a little bit flashy, but um, you have to take it in context of a greater therapeutic yeah. protocol. And as naturopathic doctors, we always look at clear, correct, and protect. So we want to clear out the toxins out of the body. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to get rid of the parasites, the bacteria, the to toxicity, the mold buildup. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then we want to um, correct. We want to correct the amount of good bacteria in the gut to protect uh, the gut lining. Uh, we know our gut lining is only one cell very, very thin wall, mm -hmm. um, clear, correct, protect. We want to protect our, our intestinal mucosa and keep that strong. So I think those are the, you know, major things that we do as naturopathic doctors in order to support our immune processes. And then all the things we do on top, like NAD, um, even glutathione, even, you know, any of these polyphenol drips, this resveratrol, they all add as icing on the cake. Per se. Exactly. I feel that in certain situations, patients are burning through their reserves of cofactors, like mm -hmm. some of the ones you mentioned faster. So with mold, you notoriously burn through your antioxidant reserves much quicker. It has a pretty big toll on your adrenals, hence the mm -hmm. fatigue, the brain fog, the inability to function for a lot of folks. Um, so they need more vitamin C because your adrenals are one of those critical organs that need a lot of vitamin C, but they also respond really well to polyphenol support like resveratrol and quercetin and EGCG, which even has some antifungal effects. Um, so giving those up front is actually better. Um, even as a patient needs to do things like binders and try to mm -hmm. remove those toxins. So sometimes you need more, um, even though in in the common scheme of toxicity in environmental medicine, less is more. So generally doing less is better. Um, in some instances, patients do need 
more of certain antioxidants to be able to tolerate even detoxification. Um, opening up your lymphatics, you know, your drainage pathways, what a lot of doctors call pretox, or opening up, you know, just the pathways of elimination so that you can tolerate things like glutathione, mm -hmm. um, which a lot of patients don't tolerate. Um, so it's like there, there can be a lot of background uh, prep that's required before you can actually start pulling things out. Um, getting, giving your, your cells the right cofactors it needs to be less oxidative, to be less in a cell danger response, less mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a response where your mitochondria just shut down. So therefore, none of your cells work. You have no energy. You can't utilize any of your nutrients. And you're basically in hibernation mode. Um, so the, the, the discussion is complex. It's still evolving, especially with COVID. It, it does impact um, your mitochondria, similar to toxins, especially the pike, spike proteins effects. But um, it's not impossible to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Yeah. And here at the Anatara Clinic, I know you've only been here uh, short four months, but it's it's an incredible clinic. It offers, you know, the, the main thing it offers, which for me is is magic, is chronic illness. That's a population that's been completely left out. The only two places you have to go is to your doctor's office, your conventional medical doctor's office. You have four minutes to tell them what's wrong with you, and they end write a prescription to get you out of the room. Um, or you go to emergency, you, you know, you have an emergency situation and you might be sitting there uh, for six to, to 14 hours, you know, mm -hmm. until you get looked at. Um, people will come here with chronic illnesses, anywhere from chronic fatigue, long COVID, cancers, um, debilitating conditions. What kind of conditions as a naturopathic doctor are you seeing here at Anatara Clinic? I think based on the current climate, it's it's fair to say a lot of uh, long haulers or post-COVID syndrome mm -hmm. uh, manifested in a myriad of ways. It could be neurological. It could be musculoskeletal. Um, we've had quite a bit of success using the plasma filtration procedure mm -hmm. with ozone. Um, and I think vaccine injury is another big one. Uh, less talked about, a little bit controversial there on some fronts. Um, but we've had quite a bit of success with that as well. Um, we're seeing a lot more uh, cancer incidents in the mm -hmm. past 10 years. Uh, I think it's become from one in three to one in two uh, people are at risk for cancer now. It's, it's, it, the statistics are pretty staggering. Um, wow, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty high. I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty significant now in terms of your risk for developing it. Um, and then the data will show after this, you know, this pandemic is evolving, um, what those rates are going to be like pre versus post COVID. I think the jury's still out and the data still being accrued, but it's, 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 it's a little bit overwhelming, but, wow. um, ultimately there are those foundations of health, alleviating the obstacles to cure, alleviating the toxins, um, finding where the patient's at immunologically, genetically, yeah. and, and working with that, um, that canvas, and then you build on that. I love that. We're, yeah. not, and we're not doom and gloom. The key is yeah. to be aware, and the key is to get the right care. And it, it seems like this clinic has all the answers 
to, you know, I know you look at lab tests and that's the one thing as naturopathic doctors I love that we do is we really, um, and, and Dr. Avi is really great at it as well. He, he functions very much like a naturopathic doctor in a way where he really looks at lab tests and really looks at reference ranges because mm -hmm. the reference ranges that are on those lab tests are really for athletes and men. Um, they kind of rule out women and children, which are, uh, yeah. uh, you know, majority of the yeah. population yeah. Um, and um, really important. And, and you look at the markers of the, you know, for example, TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, uh, the, the markers are absurd. You know, they're point, what, 0.35 to about uh, five and yeah. anything above two, 2.2, as we know, is a subclinical hypothyroid condition. And even we look at ferritin levels, you know, mm -hmm. ferritin levels are between 10 and 300. So That's if, huge, if, yeah. if you're, yeah. if you're, if, you know, the, the optimal level is like, you know, if you're 10, you're fine. Um, in, in yeah. terms out of a ferritin, your, your conventional med medical doctor will say, okay, you're fine. But if you're eight, you're severely anemic. Yeah. So it, it, it's, you know, for people listening with iron deficiency anemia, it's one of the most common deficiencies. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are deficient in, in iron, iron. And, you know, it works with so many biochemical reactions in our body. So the conventional medical model has failed. The system is broken. And, you know, we need more places like this where we have a medical doctor and a naturopathic doctor. Can you imagine the day we have clinics like this all over the world? You know, I, 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 could, I can imagine, you know, people would be in such optimal health and well-being. Um, it, it, what do you think would happen if we had... Uh, clinics um, like this everywhere. Uh, well, <laughs> I think the drug companies would be out of business. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel, you know, we're, we're trying to help people. Yeah. Um, I think the goal is, is integration and systems based approach to medicine. I think that is the future. Yes. Um, they are trying to algorithmic it so make it into algorithms and make it into an ai based system right if I this see that. then give this if this can give yes that. yes yes and yes. it's not that easy with no. with toxins with environmental medicine with mm -hmm. mitochondrial dysfunction um it's not a one-size-fits-all medicine no it's not and that's the 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 allure of conventional medicine is like just give me something simple just give me a pill but i feel our center is is beyond that. It's a, it's at a point where we understand that's not a quick fix. And right. even if it was something like that, that's only temporary, and that's not something that's going to get you over the hump long term. Um, so there is a place and a and a time for pharmaceuticals. There there's nothing inherently good or bad about them. It's how they're used. It's the appropriateness, and of course, lab ranges are not as you mentioned, standardized for different ethnicities, different um, sexes, male versus female, um, but even different places in the world. Um, they've even noticed that for kidney function, now they are forced to use different ranges for African-American versus right. others. So um, it's a slow wheel of like what they would call justice in mm -hmm. terms of how mm -hmm. the conventional realm adapts um, we're just trying to push it so we're not waiting another 20 years before, oh, here's what we would do for, you know, post-COVID or what we would do for post-viral illness. Um, we're trying to be ahead of the pack. And um, 
unfortunately there you know that that has its pros and cons not everyone can have access to that but hopefully the more we get the word out there the more practitioners like yourself and others can incorporate some of the things we do um, it does become more talked about and it generates discussion and it generates the right research and the right funding to do this on a national international scale and i think the key is is that everybody has the ability to choose what they eat and to listen mm -hmm. to their body and to know that the body has an innate ability to heal itself if given the right environment. So I want to end there and thank our very special guest, Dr. Mohammed Mansoor from thank the Antara you. Clinic, naturopathic doctor extraordinaire. Uh, thank you for being with us today at Healthy Doc and um, stay tuned. We'll get you in for more discussions with NAD. Thank you. Thank you.